0: This is Space Waffles, a Star Wars podcast. Welcome to Space Waffles. No, I'm not Arzu. I'm Candace. And Hope and I are taking over because we're talking about Bad Batch season two. Hey, Hope. It's our show now, Arzu. Get well, out. Arzu knew if she had the two of us talking about Star Wars animation, she would not get a word in. So, why would she even come, right?
1: Yeah, I know. And we're only taking over for like one episode. So you don't like only have to put up with us for one episode. Um, you get listeners, you can't see it. I have my emotional support stuffed Lula uh, with me because we're talking Bad Batch. And I have a lot of feelings about this f- finale. So, like, you, you might can hear it.
0: It's my emotional support Lula. So. And I am wearing my oversized, comfy Bad Batch sweatshirt because I need to be all cuddled and warm. You can tell we're really obsessed. Okay, so Hope and I did a video a month or two ago with our friend Hannah ranking the clones. And (laughs) Hannah and I might have ranked some of the batch a little bit lower than Hope would have preferred. But I I did have a disclaimer. With that ranking, I'll wait until season two because I'm hopeful. And you know what? My hopes were met hope. Mm-hmm. Because character development. All yeah. around. I mean, that this was a really good season for
1: that. Um, especially because, like, really the only characters of season one that got anything were, like, Hunter Omega and Crosshair. And everybody else was just kind of like, and you're here too. Even you, Echo, even though you've been here forever in seasons of Clone Wars. But we don't count. Yeah. Um, so it was a really good season for that, except for record. Record is the only one that I was like, man, I just wish you had like an episode for you. That's something that yeah. Rebels did so well was to make sure that like everybody got an episode every season, um, and it, they, they, they kind of lost that with that that with Bad Batch. So I wish Record to touch more. But other than that, yeah. What did what did you think about the season as a whole?
0: I loved it ten times more than the first season the first season i was felt like we were kind of slogging through at points but and i felt like again i didn't know the clones very well like i didn't understand who they were other than really omega like you said only really hunter had an arc and even that arc was just like yeah guess i'm a dad now that's it i joke around that like As much as we
1: love the waffles here at the Geeky Waffles, I'm tired of Hunter's waffling. Because he did that for like two seasons. And I'm so glad that he's finally like, no, we're going to get our kid
0: back. (laughs) I felt also like I understood their family dynamic better too this season. It was something I didn't understand how they all fit. And maybe honestly, they didn't know how they all fit in season one as this entity outside of the Republic or Empire.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree with that, because that's that's something I like about the difference between season one and season two, because season one is them trying to figure out how to function in normal society. Like, they there's the episode where they first get to, I, I think it's Ord Mantel, and they walk off the ship, and, like, the hangar master is just, like, holding out his hand, and they, they might as well have just, like, high-fived him, because they don't understand bribing, and they had to learn how to function around people. And so so to me, like, so much of season one was a focus on them getting reintroduced to the galaxy that is also rapidly changing around them. Yeah. And then season two was kind of like them figuring out who they are as people. I, I know that... okay i'm going to preface this by saying i know that this kind of storytelling does not work for everybody it really worked for me so i didn't mind it but i do understand why this is a gripe for other people i liked a lot of the one-off episodes and i thought they really contributed to the character development of the season and particularly tech which we'll talk more about later um but i i especially loved the one-off episodes like faster and entombed Because if the first season was about them trying to learn how to function in the galaxy, the second season was them trying new things to see what their lives would be like outside of being soldiers. Because they never had to think about, like, what if I want to be a riot racer? What if I want to be a treasure hunter? What if I want to live on Pabu? And that's what I really liked about this season is they started to have these thoughts of, like, what would I be if I wasn't a soldier. And that to me was the big difference between season one and season two. And I I think that's far more interesting, especially when you get into a character like Echo, where he was like, no, I want to be a soldier, not a mercenary. And there is a difference in my mind, because he did not want to be a mercenary for Sid, but he still wanted to be a soldier for other clones.
0: I don't even know if he wanted to be a soldier. He just wanted to be a brother. Mm -hmm. He wanted... He's been saying it since that's a good point. Season one is like we should be doing more. And he really starts out at season two being like our brothers are out there, which of course the batch doesn't see that many regs as brothers.
1: I think that was kind of about the about the hot houser time of season one is when that started to really change. Um yeah. because because there's a moment in the season one finale where Hunter Which is not earned, I should say. is not an earned character moment where he's like, Crosshair, the regs are our brothers and we should support them. And Crosshair's like, what (laughs) What are you talking about? Um, That should have been an echo line, actually.
0: Honestly, there's a lot of things that should have been echo lines in Season season 1. Including the conversation with Rex about the chips and vibes, you know. I'm still salty about that there there
1: should also been more times when crosshair was like they're just regs they're expendable and saying that in front of echo echo should have said something but i I actually that i think season two's writing was a lot better because be thanks to like rex and honestly echo and a lot of the other clones from like rescuing gregor and rescuing um hauser this season it definitely felt like the character stuff was much more earned when it came to like, who are we fighting? Why are we fighting? And what are we building towards? Which is somehow a Palpatine returned.
0: <laughs> <laughs> of course. Um, but what I really loved, I know a lot of people are like, oh, they're just about cameos and stuff like that. But the tribe episode with Gunji oh, was, such was good one of my favorite of the whole, uh, one of my favorite animated Star Wars episodes. Mm -hmm. It was so strong. It was seeing, like, also Omega have a connection to someone around her own age again. And seeing more of the Wookiees and actually Kashyyyk and the idea of, like, the trees, they talk to the trees. And it's something Mm -hmm. that I know George Lucas wanted to explore more. But, like, for Return of the Jedi, he couldn't afford to have, like, seven-foot furry creatures. Mm -hmm. So he had Ewoks instead. (laughs) Yeah, that's very true.
1: That, God, I loved that episode as well. Um, I don't think it was my favorite because I always kind of forget it. And then every time I remember it, I'm just like, yeah, that did happen. (laughs) Um, But... That one that was definitely very special just to see the return of like gunji because not knowing what happened to those kids has always been that's actually like uh, for gunji and the zillow beast i like that they're answering some of these unanswered clone wars questions because the zillow beast my poor baby i love it let it rampage let it be that let it free great. on mount tantus
0: <laughs> just let it you know just let it, let it vibe
1: it's what just it, it living it's, live it its deserves. life let, let it just go across the mountainside and like terrorize the planet. That's what the Zilla Beast deserves. It's a good boy. I love
0: it. It deserves a nice life. Speaking of characters who we were surprised to see again, Rio, Ryo? I've always
1: said Rio Chuchi, and I think they actually said Rio in Clone Wars, but now they're saying Ryo, and I'm very
0: salty because <laughs> I'm like, Me that's too. Ryo Chuchi But it, I is think back. it's the
1: difference between Leah and Leia in the original trilogy.
0: Oh, I was so mad about that as a kid. When that general says her name wrong, I'm like, she's a princess. Get her Get name right. right. Put some she respect just like in that She name. was tortured and she didn't say anything about y'all. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I was a very sassy nine year old and I was very protective of Princess Leia. But speaking of Chuchi, Senator Chuchi, we're just calling her that since we don't know how to say her name anymore. It I was. was it was amazing to see her again. I honestly, I loved her. I loved her relationship with Ahsoka. And it's nice to see that, like, yeah, okay, people aren't just forgetting about the clones, especially those who worked with them. Is like, people still have connections.
1: That mid-season finale was probably one of the best mid-season finales in any Star Wars so far. It was... Uh, on so many levels of showing like how the Pal- like the palpatines how the politics were <laughs> um evolving during that time period what was happening to the clones going back to like 76s um seeing how they're being manipulated and then you get the bad batch in there and like uh it has the total like tonal shift of like echo leaving and then in one of my favorite moments admiral rampart just being thrown under the bus it was so good um because here's the thing i like rampart as a villain but i like him as a villain in the way that i find him funny and silly and pathetic like he's one of those villains i'm just like oh you're so cute trying to be a big bad and then they bring in Himlock, who is essentially Joseph mingla of star wars over
0: here he's and so he's, scary he's terrifying he, he's so soft talking yeah and he
1: gets and he gets close to everybody and he's just like crosshair why must you suffer
0: like, he's like i'm like i'm sorry
1: are we doing like evil asmr why are we whispering
0: <laughs> but you yeah, just you like- know when they're calm the villain is calm and like has a soothing voice that makes him creepier mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but they got that I- good with him luck I, I do
1: actually hope we see Rampart again, but I hope we see him like in his call. no, not even his callous arc. I hope we get to see him in his Hux arc of just like, <laughs> oh, I'm not joining the rebels because I believe in your cause. I'm joining the rebels because I'm pissed at them and I want to <laughs> <host> the Empire. <laughs> that's why I'm joining you guys. I would love to see Rampart again,
0: um, but yeah, I'm doing this mid-season. out of spite. <laughs> oh, so good, but can- I can- love. I love the conspiracy kind of thing. Like it's a thriller. I love when Star Wars goes into other genres, Mm -hmm. especially because we have so much Star Wars now. It's fun when they explore those other kinds of things. And oh my gosh, when Rex showed up in the fog, I was like, oh my God, my boy. (laughs) And then I had a moment of just like, oh yeah, you do know Chuchi? You guys met? I forgot about that. Remember when like the 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 prime minister, or whatever, the chairman of her planet was like, "Let's get some clones killed." That that's one of my low
1: key favorite episodes because I love Rex's little snow outfit. (laughs) I think he looks so cute. He's
0: so cute. I love that episode. Chuchi has a really great like speech. She's like, "It's an honor to die for one's planet." i love
1: every Mm. outfit of rio chuchis she has yet to have a between clone wars and bad bad she has yet to have a bad outfit and she went to the padme
0: she went to the padme amidala school of senatorial fashion
1: i love the idea of that mon mothma padme and rio are just sitting together like all right this is the outfit for tuesday's meeting and this is the outfit for for yelling at imperials go
0: I love that Chuchi um, was wearing like red and gold, very much like the mm. Padma, uh, Padme, Phantom Menace, the iconic thing. I like to think like she's in, she was kind of inspired by Padme in a way because she was an older senator. I'm I'm getting ready for our celebration talk about Padme.
1: <laughs> I I don't think that's a far a far stretch to be honest with you. I, I really don't because it really does feel like. If Rhea wasn't doing that and Padme was alive, Padme would be in that role. That would be Padme's role. Um, Definitely. 100%. So especially I, I do veil. feel like that was very purposeful, especially their hair. Like her hair was a lot similar to a lot of Padme's hairstyles as well. I think that was very purposeful. I would not be shocked if just Jennifer Corbett was just like, yeah, that was on purpose because it was so purposeful. Um, Can we talk about crosshair?
0: Yeah, let's talk about crosshair. Grumpy Grumpy Crosshair. Oh my goodness. The coat. Okay. You go first. That makes me think Commander Cody. Commander Cody, who we had never seen before, post Revenge of the Sith canon. The only thing is in Legends is that there's an um archive um note and the force unleashed. That's the last thing we see of Commander Cody. And the fact that he's like Hey, Crosshair, what's up? For Okay, so I love
1: Crosshair's... You know, he didn't get as many episodes this season, but the episodes that he did get were really they were impactful. Big. They were really impactful, and they really carried, like, the weight of, like, two or three episodes in them. Because the solitary clone was, like, a really good look of Crosshair losing the last of his allies. You know, like he all he had really left was cody who was his friend from clone wars we know that they go back and then cody left and he was really left alone and then we get the what was his second one i blanked. Uh, it wasn't the the outpost. was it the outpost it was the outpost wow that was a big jump i thought there was another one in between there um then we get the outpost and that opening that imperial in that episode was the most was the imperial i've wanted to punch in the face so fast (laughs) i i do not throw hands with fictional characters i would throw hands with that fictional characters especially when he was just like oh i don't like used things oh boy i never hated imperial so fast in my life candace and i am so glad he got shot but that was such a good episode for crosshair to finally realize like i am nothing i can't survive on my skills anymore and this character whose one whole skill and only mission in life is to kill fights so hard to save a life which is maydays and it's still for nothing and i wrote a big piece about like the ice vulture and the symbolism of that um vultures and it depends there's a lot of different um, symbolism for vultures in different cultures and sometimes they're Um, worshipped by gods and they're symbols of the gods and other times they're like bringers of death so there's actually a lot of positive and a lot of negative so I I just felt like that was such a good symbol for Crosshair because he's been in uh, such a positive and negative character both in the fandom and in the show and so he has this predator mentality and he finally rises up to stand and just that, that moment where he stands and shoots the Imperial the Mountain's behind him are wings. And oh, everything about that shot. It's such a good episode, especially because he's not automatically redeemed. They're letting him have atonement. And atonement is very different from redemption, but it's a very important part of redemption that a lot of shows always skip over. Like, Callus was redeemed, but we never saw his atonement.
0: What I really like, too, comparing this to Callus. Callus, yeah. Okay, so we see... Like one episode, it seems like that changed Callis's mind. This, we see the arc that Crosshair has to go through to have a epiphany. It wasn't sudden. It was slow. And honestly, that's what I feel like a lot of people go through to change their minds. Is it slow? Mm -hmm. And I like that it built up to that.
1: There's um, a line. uh, I think I've said this in one of my um, waffle reviews. Um, from a a YouTube that I watch um, called Cinema Therapy, and they have this saying where they go, "The people won't change until the pain of staying the same is finally greater than the trouble it takes to change. And that's where Crosshair was. He just reached this point where the pain of staying the same was so much worse than actually changing and making a difference and fighting for his brothers. And I, I like that it was a very slow and sometimes tedious journey, but it made it so much more satisfying when he finally took that shot. It
0: was so good. And also not to skip a little bit, but when he he when he's um taken, he doesn't try to escape. He tries to get word to the batch to warn them that Helmlock's after Omega. It's not about himself. Mm-hmm. He, was, like he's just going to try to help his brothers and his sister that's it i
1: i love that little detail that he could have escaped but he chose them and i i think it's interesting that he speared um emery carr who we now know is omega's sister <laughs> and i called sister- it
0: uh, Did you? It. Oh my yes, god! She it, had the accent. She had well, the New Zealand A lot accent.
1: of people in Star Wars have accents. <laughs> yeah, but not
0: the same accent.
1: That's true. That's true. And and honestly, like one, I I realized that I should have realized, like, put it together last week when they were talking about how Royce got kicked out of the Republic for his cloning. And it seems like he has a history with Nala Se. So that tells me that he might have got some of Django juice and was just like, I'm going to make a person.
0: And he's like, "Tada, Republic. And they're like, no, leave. So the reason, one of the reasons, other than just the accent, I thought it was her, was because Crosshair kill, kills everyone else but her. Yep. So I thought that was a sign that he felt like a familiar bond to her that subconsciously he was like, I'm just going to stun you instead. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. That is my theory. I think that moment's going to play really important
1: because while Emery might not be on their side now, I think when she sees, I I have a feeling that Emery is a bit of a propaganda baby that she was raised to think like, I'm just an object because I'm a clone. And like, she's never been exposed to anything differently so I think like once she's around Omega a bit, and I don't think Tech is dead. I think Tech is on Mount Tantus. Um, we'll get to Tech in a minute, but uh, I, I think once she's around the clone, she's gonna feel that that bond with them, and just be like, "Oh, I guess I can rebel too." And I think she's gonna get them help, get them out of there. It's so hard though, because like Tantus is such an important location. And it's such an important piece of somehow Palpatine returned lore that I just don't know how they're going to keep Tantus under wraps. I really don't. I guess the only thing I can think of is we've seen Palpatine blow up to Poka City. Like, he'd probably hate it, but he'd probably blow up Mount Tantus if he had to to hide that secret. But I, I just don't know. It's I go back and forth about whether or not they just escape or whether or not they get rescued because that location is so secret. That it pretty much at this point, like, cannot be under, you know, it c- cannot be found at to make Palpatine return or else like things are going to go south on that. So I, I don't know. I go back and forth on that.
0: I feel like the Empire and Hinlock everyone has backup plans on backup plans. Mm-hmm. So if something does- him, <laughs> if something does go wrong, you know it has i should
1: <laughs> i should clarify when i say i love hemlock i mean i love him as a villain i think he's a very good villain i'm not like yeah. in love with the space Nazi. see his hair's funny
0: <laughs> oh speaking of hair hot hauser's back oh, yeah. they all have that kind of like this character has to be hot let's give them
1: a, like an undercut and a floof on the top like that's well, hot no it is it is hot though i was actually hoping that hot hauser would do more but i was happy to see that he wasn't killed
0: immediately at the in season one yeah so like we were worried who was the first clone in the beginning of the season season two two season two the clone that gets killed by rampart oh what was his name wilco wilco he was a hottie too he was a hottie he was a hottie they were all
1: hotties all clones are I mean- hotties
0: Tamara Morrison's the template. How can you not be hot? Yeah, just it's just (laughs) science—the science of cloning. The science of cloning. (laughs) Yeah. So, and it was great to see Gregor too. I actually didn't realize it was Gregor right
1: away until like later, and somebody's like, "And Gregor," and I was like, "Oh, that is," because he he, I I was more distracted that one of Echo's clones is named Nimic, and I was like, that has to be a nod to Andor. That's just gotta mm-hmm. be. It's, it's spelled differently, but I was hoping we would see more of Clone Nimic for him to be like, "Hi, Bad Batch. Here's my
0: manifesto." <laughs> I, <laughs> I feel like I feel like it's gotta be a Clone Rebellion next season, right? Yeah,
1: I. That's that's so. the only thing I can think of um, that they're that they're building to. But even then, like. I got a bad feeling about that, these clones, because if they, if the majority of them still have an inhibitor chip in their brain and we don't really see them running around by original trilogy time, well, granted, they do double age. So we know by original trilogy time, they're old. But I don't know. I feel like if there was a massive clone rebellion with like millions of clones across the galaxy, we would have heard about it in Star Wars somewhere else.
0: But the Empire is very good at propaganda. and if you think about the time there is which is the entire
1: point of the truth and consequences episode which was oh the clones attacked their own city they can't be trusted
0: yeah they totally blew it up for no reason and it's like oh it was a storm that's a hole (laughs) the clones made the storm (laughs) it's like um the city that's been like there for centuries that dealt with every storm ever all of a sudden, just happened to have a really bad storm when you guys Global were done warming, with them. a bitch on Camino. Oh my gosh, <laughs> my Rampart's, Rampart's so stupid. He's like, here's all these witnesses, some of them who are clones. Let's have them blow up their home.
1: I Yeah. He was he was all jolly. I'm just like, look at me pulling around the poor little clones blowing up their own city. Fuh, 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 fuh. I'm Rampart's. Them. i do like that voice actor though uh norshir Dalal. i think is his name is He he's a really good voice actor and i'm happy that like i've noticed throughout the rest of the season after him was kicked out they've given him like different voice actings like he was the oh. voice of the actual good guardsman of rio the one that was actually competent and oh. didn't die um, but I really like him as a voice actor. He does some really good work over in Owl House, too. So you want need to take a quick. He's in Owl House, season two.
0: I think it's time to talk about our boy Tech. Or tech. again. I, I think it's my, Tech Talk.
1: It is Tech Talk, and I have my emotional support, Lula, because I am
0: a mess. <laughs> Wait, so for those who don't know, Hope was a big Tech fan from the beginning. Mm-hmm. I was a doubter. I was like a myth. But season two, I'm a tech fangirl now. Like, I'm tech all the time. He, the development he got this season is exactly what I was hoping for. Because I told you, Hope, I was like, I don't know him. Even after a full season, I get, like, he just gets that stereotypical, like, you know, nerd that, like, doesn't have social skills. But now I feel like I understand Why he is the way he is. And also that he just loves his brothers and sisters so much. Like. He just has a hard way of voicing those emotions. Because that's just who he is.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think they did a good job setting that up in the very first episode. um, Where Tech breaks his leg. And he still like fist fights like four or five stormtroopers to save Echo and Omega. And that Mm -hmm. was something like. Um, th- throughout season one, well, well, it kind of started like before season one. I've I've always loved like the geeky nerdy archetype on the team guy. That's always been my favorite. T- like whenever you have like a team or anything like that, I always like the Donatello. The, guy. the Donatello, yeah, the Donatello. Donatello. Yeah, I, like that's always <laughs> been my favorite archetype. So even then, when I saw him in Clone Wars, I was like, you're yeah, my favorite. Um, and then in season one, I started kind of picking up on something about tech that was very familiar to me. Um, because I could really tell that he was a person of action, even if he didn't always say the right words. And you can see a lot of those actions with like how he is in the background, especially around Omega. Like he would like guide her or like push her, uh, like like, drag, like catch her or something like that. He was, and he always treated Omega as an equal. Um, and so his actions started poking out to me and then we get to season two and we just get so much wonderful development. And I... I love how it started throughout his actions in the first half, like with episodes like Faster and like Spoils of War, where he's fighting on a broken leg. And he's really filling this role that we haven't really seen before. And especially because we're starting to get into like these other sides of him, like what hobbies he likes and like his growing friendship with Fee. And then we get to The Crossing, which is a very important episode for me personally, but, um, because I cried there. There's a moment where he's talking with Omega that, and he explains that, you know, just because my brain processes stuff differently doesn't mean I love. And I was in tears by the end of that episode. And that's because it confirmed that tech is neurodivergent. And this I can't say the first in Star Wars, but this is our first like confirmed on screen neurodivergent character on screen in Star Wars. And that's such important representation. Like I know on this podcast, like, like I'm a queer woman and like, we're always pushing for like queer rights and like the rights of people of color and stuff like that. But there are still other groups that need representation done well. And really off the top of my head, I can think of like three other characters in animation that are done really well neurodivergent characters. And that's Entrapta and Shira, Norma and Dead in Paran- Paranormal Park, and a character in Bluey whose name is slipping my mind. And that's it. Like, I can't really, I would have to Google past that because it's so hard to write neurodivergent characters really well to make them understandable, but also not make them har- harmful stereotypes that are damaging to the community. And The Crossing did a really good job of showing like what happens like when you're overwhelmed and you say the wrong things, but your actions still come through. And then ever since he has that conversation with Omega, he checks in with her at every instance he can. After Mm -hmm. they rescue Benny, he's the one that goes over and it's just like, what are you thinking about? He's the one that's like, um, he's the one that noticed that Omega hasn't been, hasn't laughed like that in a long time when they're on Papu. He emotionally checks in with Omega, and then he has that moment in the finale today where he's like, Crosshair is our brother. And in the crossing, he was like, I have to respect his actions. But that conversation with Omega, he was like, no, I do care for Crosshair. We need to go save him. He is our brother. And his journey of not only showing that he's really this super deep character that he also loves, but he shows his love in a way that might not always be apparent on the surface and but but it, it's done in a way to help people understand that people do show love just a little bit differently and that's also okay i could t- i'm text a really personal character to me um so it was i really loved him this season and that's why i have i'm very <laughs> upset with the finale Because they give us representation and then they might have taken it away but i am on the train that he's not gone because hunter hunter fell down an entire mountain in season one and he didn't have a scratch on him
0: yeah it's that whole trope of like a day in the limelight equals death it's like whenever a character gets like more time screen time it's like oh they're doing this specifically to make the death hurt more and that. I don't like that idea because about I think Tech around- deserved the story he got. Yeah. A- about he's in-
1: around the time of Faster, people started bringing them up of like, why are they focusing on Tech so much? Is he going to die this season? And it was right about that time.
0: And it's been lingering in the back of my head ever since. You know but you know, what I thought? I thought it was like um, DuckTales, how they focused on a different triplet every season. They were just focusing on a different clone.
1: That was my that.
0: idea. I didn't think about the death thing until I was like, "Oh, it's Star Wars." Yeah,
1: I. Okay, here I'm gonna get, Here's my two thoughts about the the death of Tech. Um, personally, I don't think he's dead, um, especially because the only confirmation we got was from Hemlock, a villain. He's a liar, and Hemlock's I a nasty liar. <laughs> I think he actually has Tech at Mount Tantiss, but I think the next time we see Tech, he might be like one of those assassin clones in the Rio Chuchi episode that's mm. been completely wiped. That's my tinfoil hat theory. Um, my other theory is, is he's just beating up on Mount Tiantus and he's fine. Um, but they'll find him and he's just going to go back to his little techie ways and that'd be great. But I think the other thing that if he is dead, as salty as I am, that A, we do not have a lot of great neurodivergent representation on screen written well. So I'm upset if they gave it to us and then took it away for good. As salty as I am about that, I am happy it is a choice that Tech made himself. It It wasn't
0: earned. It was was, earned. It was earned. He did it like it was heroic. It was epic. Mm -hmm. He did it for his siblings. And that whole like plan 99, which makes you think of (sighs) Chloe 99, who died trying to save his brothers. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, we've known that episode title for a while.
1: I I have a feeling that that was actually because ninety nine died in Echo's arms, if I remember correctly. <laughs> so I feel like that was an Echo thing that he came up with. I I am as much as I want Tech to be alive, and I ho- and I think he's alive, and I hope he's alive um, because there's still so much story potential. At the same time, if it is permanent, then I do think it was a good death it it was earned it wasn't like a random shot or anything um and it affects the entire team like even sid who is in the midst of turning them over to the empire still takes a moment to mourn him because she awesome. genuinely and i do have thoughts on sid but i she does take a mo- moment to mourn him and and i can't even imagine what fee is gonna th- go through when she finds out
0: Yeah, I just Omega's reaction also broke my heart, too, because it was such a what a child would do if she lost her brother. Like it was Mm -hmm. so real. And that's a great thing about especially the season two again, which they have done great from the start is Omega is a child. She is growing still. She is learning and she has those reactions like a child, which she does have special skills because she is a clone. But she is a kid.
1: It was a really nice, um, just a little really nice story beat and piece of a- animation when she wakes up at Sid's parlor and Hunter's like, Are you okay? And she was like, The last thing I remember is we were on the train and and then it hits her and she has that pause and then that moment of horror. Like that was That's just a really nice animation and acting and storyboarding, like all around. Good job, creators. But
0: oh, the animation has gotten even better this season. Like oh, yeah the clouds in this last episode the clouds the fog oh my goodness it looked real it looked real it was insane.
1: it's amazing how far that lucasfilm animation has come from like the early days of clone wars um they've just done so much and and i was really like they did a really good article with joel aaron um who's the sorry joel aaron i forgot your job but he works at lucasfilm animation (laughs) Um, And he was talking about just like some of the tools that they brought into the season that they kind of started with Rebels and then they've really perfected with Bad Batch. And something interesting is he worked on the special effects for Jurassic Park. So, and he did a lot of the, like the CGI for the dinosaurs. So they're taking a lot of live action CGI um, tricks and using an animation. So instead of having hard lines, um, they blur the lines to make it look like they're more in the moment. And they're also filming everything like like it's a live action movie, which gives it a different movement and style, and like making sure like if something's up close, everything behind it's out of focus. And I that's something that they really changed up is treating this animated movie as if it was a live action movie, so it has more dynamic animation. And it was, it was a really cool article. Um, let me know, and I will shoot it to you. To put it in show notes. Uh, yeah, that but would they, be great. Yeah, because they were talking about like how they handled water and. Like film tricks of like, if the if it's from their shins up, you don't have to actually animate the water because you can just put in splash sounds and the audience's brain connects that they're running in water <laughs> and you don't oh, have yeah, to the, animate
0: it. The season two premiere of them running at the beach with Crabs. those crabby things. Crabs. It was great. And mm-hmm. again, we I like I love that season because it opens up like, okay, so tech is making sure that Omega is, you know, being educated. <sighs> and him relationship- teaching her how to had to fly it was the so tech sweet. turn
1: <laughs> that was always one of my favorite things of season one is like tech was always kind of this like quiet commosed character until he got behind the wheel and then he just flew like a madman and like now seeing Omega learn the tech turn and you know the first time she does it without him there she's gonna be like I did the tech turn and I'm like I,
0: I don't, don't know how how Omega's gonna get through this the way she reacted just when echo left. Like,
1: she, you know, people find a way to get through it. It's just how grief works. You know, you Mm. either let it consume you or you keep going. And they're lucky, I was about to say, luckily, she's in like a Princess Leia situation, but I wouldn't call that lucky. Um, And what I mean by that is Leia's planet exploded, but she had to escape a Death Star. So it's not like she had time to really process it. Um, which is why I really like the books and the comics that let her process it later. But uh, Omega's not in a situation right now to process stuff. But I do think it's going to hit her if she gets a scene with Crosshair and she tells Crosshair that Tech is gone. I think that's really Mm, that's going to be a really good scene of Crosshair just being like this is my fault and also I need to comfort a child who is crying. (laughs) Uh, uh, he's gonna have hands? his like Ricky. he's gonna have his like Ricky Bobby
0: moment of just like, I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> <laughs> um, going back to Sid, you called that at the beginning of the season, we talked about this about like how the betrayal is coming. It's just, and again, we talked about this when we did our filler episode, our filler video about how things that you think are filler at the time usually aren't, and filler's just a dirty word. And, again, like, if we didn't have that faster episode, people would be like, this came out of nowhere. Why is Sid, like, turning them in?
1: Yeah, I, I think they started really kind of zoning it on it towards the end of the season. So, about about Entombed is when that relationship started, like, changing a bit. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, not Entombed. Um, Whatever the episode that they got their ship stolen and they called Sid for help, Um, that was about the time that it really turned. But... I think that even though from there on they did build it, they really planted the seed early on in Faster. And I think that was kind of like the first sort of peek at it. But I do think on the opposite end that Faster is just as important because my, my tinfoil hat theory is Sid's going to regret it and help them get Omega because she's always had a soft spot for Omega. When Hemlock gives her the money, she does not look like she's having a good time and even before the empire gets there, she's looks like she's regretting it. She's she mourns Tech with Wrecker. I think she does genuinely like these guys, and she has helped them so much, and they've stuck out their neck for her. And I don't think she's used to loyalty, especially with, like if Fee shows up and Fee is like, "You did what to them?" I'm sorry, because Fee and her are friends and work together. So I my my little tinfoil hat theory is. Sid's gonna regret it she's gonna call fee and then they also have an iou from roland durand from season one because oh, yeah. because of Sid and the bad batch roland's life was spared and all he lost was his horn but the pikes were gonna kill roland and the batch were the one it was actually omega omega is the one that pleaded the pikes for their lives for his life and they spared him and so he has an, They have an IOU with Rowan. So I, I could see, like, um, Sid getting together a little team of scum and villainy to help the batch rescue Omega. I I would actually really dig that because the betrayal is always coming, but I think she cares too much about them to that it's going to stick long term.
0: Yeah. And That's I think it's going to be handle...
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be handle of, like, there, I paid you back. Now, let's permanently go separate ways and then that's the end of Sid. so
0: yeah that's my my little theory about it anything else about season two you want to talk about Oh, uh,
1: I did like Fia's character I like how she grew over the season um I I, I still go back and forth about the romance with tech. I like elements of it. And I like that it's a slow burn. And I like that it wasn't like, oh boy and girl, they love. Um, I Kiss like, now. <laughs> yeah, like it, it's a slow burn and she never like pushed him into it. And I also like that a neurodivergent character got the love interest instead of someone who is like classically charming and handsome, like Hunter would have usually gotten the love <laughs> interest. Um, so I did like that twist. But outside of tech, I just like Fia as a character because she starts off as like a stereotypical pirate. She's kind of a Hondo type. Um, But then we get to Pabu. I love that twist of she's not a pirate in for herself like Hondo was. She's a pirate in it trying to help save culture, like other people's culture, like Indiana Jones kind of character. She's a
0: historian in a way. And I love Mm.
1: that twist. I really liked her character as, as it grew Uh,
0: as the the it being her character arc as her character arc
1: grew over the course of the show. I thought that was really great.
0: It was really good also just to see them interact with a character who is like not quite a civilian, but still like not a clone, not a whatever set is, but like someone who might actually care for them and is open about it. And being like, Hey, you should take this child somewhere safe and be like mm-hmm. I haven't even told Sid about this like I trust you guys because this kid needs to talk to ki- other kids like she knows mm-hmm. this she knows like it's important for development to be around other children her age that's
1: something I was I thought they were going to start much earlier with Trace and Rafa actually yeah. because Trace and Rafa was close to a um, closer to Omega's physical age than her brothers and I do love the little thing that they just use Trace and Rafa's garage now as a That's a place that clones hang out. Um, I I do wish they would bring Trace and Rafa back. I do love those two characters so much. I want to see how
0: Rex and Trace and Rafa interact. How hilarious does that be? So bad. I want it so bad. Can you imagine
1: like Rafa walking up to Senator Chuchi and she's like, I didn't vote for you. And Chuchi's being like, you're not from Pantoro. Why would you vote for me? He's like, I don't care. Where's my taxes? She's like, I don't give you taxes. (laughs) I want to see Rafa and Trace more. I, I just, I, I love those huge characters so much, so I'm so glad that they were there in spirit, but I, I would love to have them back, but yeah, yeah. I, I thought they were going to start the whole Omega has friends earlier with Trace and Rafa and have them around more, especially with Rex coming back into the picture, and I I, I just want to see them. Mostly just because it's selfish reasons. I love them.
0: I miss them. Are they okay? I just, I just like to imagine, like, Ahsoka introducing them and they just, like, Rex, like, being, like, they're insane because they have no discipline. And, like, Trace is like, this is my (laughs) shit. Look at
1: my shit. The funny thing about that is, is that... They probably met under horrific circumstances. Like, they just left Padme's funeral at Naboo. They have nowhere else to go. And Ahsoka's like, I have a friend. And Trace and Rafa open the door. And there's Rex and Ahsoka. And they're like, oh, the Jedi are dead. Can we sleep on your couch? (laughs) Like, it's much more, like, horrific. Yeah. And they're like, okay. because god actually i bet that was huge news like i bet they were worried sick about ahsoka when they saw that the jedi temple was up in flames and everything yeah you know and then here comes ahsoka and everything's different so she brought actually, clone
0: along with her
1: i actually really want that story if we do another Tales of the jedi can we have that story i i don't care about ahsoka learning the move of order 66 dave give me like actual story with meat on that note did you have anything else that you wanted to
0: mention about the season just overall, I really like that the clones, the the batch, talk to more civilians like in Pab- Pabu, and also just the beginning season, like they understand like how day to day people live who aren't clones who aren't part of the imp- empire, and I think that was really important for the development, like you were saying, of them figuring out who they are. So I hope oh, we get yeah. to see more of that
1: compared to like where they were in season one at the very beginning when they're just like fit in with people and they shuffle kind of about
0: awkwardly. Yeah. Um, After they dress with cut, like records in this poncho and be like, nobody knows who I am. I wish they kept their civilian clothes.
1: I love the civilian clothes. I love that. And you know, big mouse, if you put them in different outfits, you can sell them as toys. And I, We'll probably not buy them because I'm not a toy collector, but someone will.
0: Yeah, there's definitely someone out there who would.
1: Yeah. Make them make them. And
0: don't make them look like the
1: horrific tech doll that they came out with the hot toys. I don't know why it looks like what's what's that actor Billy Cranston or whatever. I don't know why, but that is not Tamora Morrison. It looks like a character from like Better Call Saul or something. That was months. What did you do to my boy? Don't make him more toys like that.
0: I just insert that GIF from Mean Girls. Why are you white?
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. If if you want to hear a great ongoing series about that, our friends over at Gold Scratch and Gaze definitely has a segment of their Bad Batch episode that goes, whose GD white baby is this? And then they talk about it. Every episode. It's great. (sighs) Hi, guys, from Gold Gold Scratch and Gaze. Go check them out. So, okay. no, I'm good. I, I loved the season. I thought it was solid. I, it was way stronger than season one, and I thought it was a perfect darker middle chapter. And I, I feel like this is going to be a three season show, and this was the Empire Strikes Back uh, moment of the series, and now it's time for them to punch back in season three, and I, I think makes me excited for celebration. I'm gonna, I want to see what they talk about at the Bad Batch panel.
0: Well, Hope, where can people find you online?
1: Oh, jeezy, crazy everywhere. Um, here with the waffles. Uh, <laughs> um, I also have a podcast called j and Jedi that I do with my friend Chris. Uh, we actually just started Andor, and then we're going to be doing mm-hmm. season two of Bad Batch afterwards. So uh, that's coming. Um, I'm also part of For Light and Dice. It is a real play tabletop podcast set in the High Republic, and we really play... Um, star wars 5e we are rolling dice we have characters and we didn't mean to kill as many people as we did i know everybody says that but they were really all accidents but if you want to hear uh people go on a star wars adventure in the high republic um with an all queer cast too everybody on the podcast is queer and that was something we really wanted to do so that's for light and dice um i also write for wealth of geeks Torchside the force and of course the geeky waffle so hey
0: candace where can people find you Um, Yeah, you can find me at Candace is a Geek on Twitter. You can find the Geeky Waffle everywhere at the Geeky Waffle except Twitter. Twitter, we're Geeky underscore waffle. And Space Waffles is Space Waffles on Twitter as well. So, yeah. May the waffles be with you. Bye.